Welcome to the Becoming Mum podcast, where each week we have open conversations about the big topics in motherhood, from conception and pregnancy through to birth and all the years that follow. My five-year path to having my daughter Lucia has taught me so much. Most importantly, we often experience things in stark contrast to how we imagine them to be. As the very wise Brene Brown says, if you own your story, you can write the ending. And that's what I'm doing turning all of my unexpected experiences throughout motherhood into inspiring stories to help women and their partners to feel empowered, confident, and less alone on this incredible journey. Thank you for being here. I really hope it makes a difference. Angela Fitzgerald is a birth healing coach, midwife, and mother. She helps women heal from birth and prepare for their next births through her unique personal coaching programs. Angela believes that we can heal from birth no matter how long ago it was, And when we heal from our experience of childbirth, we have the power to heal so much more. Today, we dive into really owning our feminine power, which starts a long time before we have a baby, and how tuning into the natural ebbs and flows of our planet, we can cultivate a relationship with ourselves that can serve us right through motherhood and beyond. Hint, hint, our periods are not something to be ashamed of and inconvenienced by. Seriously, if you're a woman anywhere, this episode is a must listen. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's such a pleasure, Nicole. I'm really honoured to be here. You do some incredible work and a beautiful friend of mine recommended I get in touch with you. And when I started looking at all of the wonderful work you do, I thought I need her on my podcast. (laughs) So here you are. So why don't you tell our listeners about that amazing work that you do? And I'd love to know too how your own birth was a bit of a catalyst into into the work that you do today. Mm, Absolutely. Well, I have um, a 19-year-old daughter who I gave birth to at home. And I really wasn't um, the sort of woman that birthed easily, Nicole. I um, planned a natural birth in water at home in the year 2001, which feels like so long ago now. Mm. Um, But at that time in my community, everybody had home births. Everybody birthed at home. So it was just what we did here in the Byron Shire. And I set myself up to go ahead and do that. But I wasn't the sort of woman that actually birthed easily or that had a great birth. I did a lot of preparation in my head. But when it came to birth, I really wasn't prepared for the power and the physicality of it. So I manifested all of my deepest fears, which was, um, you know, having to deal with doctors, exhaustion, bleeding, tearing, going to hospital and suturing these were like my deepest darkest fears that I was sure would never happen to me because I was a healthy active um, yoga doing woman and um, yeah I was quite devastated so birth kind of is a great reckoner it shook me to my core but as it turns out it set me on my life path and I was on a mission after that to make sure that what happened to me didn't happen to any other woman. So I became a doula in 2007 and later a midwife, a registered midwife. So this is really the, um, I talk a lot about how birth is like a treasure chest with gems in it. No matter what happens in our births, there's gems in there. And certainly that was the case for me because Over the last 20 years, I've worked a lot in birth. I have to go back a little bit and say before I was a doula, um, I worked with pregnant women in the Byron Shire for many, many years teaching at the Pregnancy Support Group, where I still teach today 20 years on. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so birth has been a really big teacher and I wasn't, you know, I was sort of dragged to birth. I... Uh, Many friends of mine had home births would invite me to their births and I was so scared, so resistant. I never wanted to go and I ended up becoming a midwife. I mean, it's quite um, ironic, but life really sets us on our life path. Whatever we think in our mind, life has got a plan for us and it can be totally different. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but really, to be honest, birth and women have been my greatest teachers and everything I've learned in my birth healing work has come from working um, not working attending listening and being present to women in their birthing process that's where I learned everything that I share today 
So you were a doula, then a midwife, Mm -hmm. and then you've moved out of that role. Do you primarily do birth healing now? Do you you still attend births? No, I no longer attend births. I left the country in 2014 to work as a a registered midwife in New Zealand because um, in New Zealand every woman has a midwife of choice for her whole pregnancy, birth and postnatal period and that's not the case in Australia. So in New Zealand there is no multi-million dollar obstetric practices and we have a midwifery model of care which we know leads to 50 to 80% less medical intervention. If you have support from a known, trusted um, person who has been through birth themselves, whether it's a doula, a midwife, or your mum, it doesn't really matter. Um, somebody that you know, like, and trust that you really believe in through your birth, you are going to have. Actually, I better not say that your mum because the research is actually on doulas and midwives. Fifty to eighty percent less <laughs> intervention. So forget about your mum. But um, in Australia, we have a dominator model of healthcare. So the medical model actually dominates the midwifery model. The midwifery model says that birth is a natural thing and it's a normal part of every woman's life process. And the medical model says, no, birth is an accident waiting to happen. And we've got all the tools and, and all the instruments and all the drugs and everything you need so we can do it for you because, um, you know, birth is really an accident. So midwifery care looks at birth um, from its ancient roots. It's, it existed a long time before medicine came into being. So these days what we need is a really good marriage between feminine principle and masculine principle. So midwifery and medicine, when, they, when they're in a good marriage, they work beautifully together because sometimes we do need medicine but really as a last resort when we have the proper um, knowledge of midwifery which includes um, spiritual psychosexuality and our whole being as women we've got the inner tools and if we don't use the inner tools then we're going to need the outer tools which can be um, you know often involve um, you know a baby being cut out or pulled out yeah Hmm. and so so see Okay, I'm going back to my experience. I had midwifery-led care. I Uh had um, the same midwife the entire way. So I had a a private midwife um, external to the birthing centre that I was going to and I did all the things. Like I did the hypnobirthing, I meditated every day, I listened to my affirmations, like I did all of the exercises to get this baby out and I still needed... um, medical intervention and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for it because she'd probably still be in there she's a very stubborn little thing Mm -hmm. and I don't look at my birth as traumatic a lot of people do say oh my god you went through the ringer 16 hours and you know all that and I go look didn't go to plan but I wouldn't call it like traumatic but what what would you say to like you know people like me and and people Mm -hmm. that have had experiences where they did the midwifery led uh, model of care. Mm. They did all the things that they were supposed to do and they still needed intervention. Because I know you said that it drops it by, mm. I think you said 50 to 80%. Yes. Yeah, yes. but obviously not in every case. I think there's a caveat on that and that is that, um, and there's many reasons, okay, there's many reasons and a lot of these um go deeper than the statistics so Mm. I guess I would probably have to ask you you know how did you feel about your midwife how did I feel about her Mm. like just in general Mm. yeah loved her she Mm. was so calm and Mm -hmm. so I just knew there was even though things didn't go to plan, I've said this, you know, in other episodes as well, I never was fearful. I never was like shit scared. Like I wasn't going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I was like, Rosie's here. She's got me and whatever needs to happen. And because it was her, you know, right at the end, she's like, okay, we're going to need intervention now. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, well, if you're saying that we need it, then we uh-huh. need it. So I had absolute faith in her like the the entire time like the pep talk that she was giving me and my husband throughout labor even he said afterwards he was like whoa I need to bring her on the footy team give some of the boys some of that pep talk like she knew exactly what to say Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah, I was in complete trust. Like we did all the things that she was telling us to do mm-hmm. and I was just happy to go along with whatever she said. Mm-hmm. And so you're happy with your birth? Yeah, I, I am. I, I mean, I look, it didn't go the way that I wanted to mm-hmm. and but I, I really don't, I don't look back on it as traumatic. I don't know that I need healing throughout it. You know how some people can mm. be really like it's it's stuck with them. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, it didn't go to plan, but I, I, I don't feel like I need to be healed from it. And I, I certainly don't refer to it as traumatic. I do joke around and go, well, next, if there's a next time, I think I would cut straight to the, you know, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't wait 16 hours no. just because of, you know, what's happened in the pelvic floor region since then. Um, I don't know that I could go through that again, but I, I'm not, I'm still not scared of birth, if Mm. that makes sense. Mm. Well, you know, the fundamentals with any kind of birth support is that you know, like, and trust your care provider. And you, it sounds to me like you really did have that um, relationship of trust and it, Mm. your story lends more uh, for me to look at, the bigger cultural context in which we birth, which is that as women in this country, we don't grow up watching, smelling and seeing childbirth as a regular part of our upbringing as girls, right? So um, many of us have never been to a birth before we give birth ourselves. And that is... um, you know, it puts us on the back foot in so many ways because when we grow up seeing, smelling and knowing something, we are prepared on a visceral level. And in our culture, we're cut off from birth and death, by the way. So these things, we're dealing with a whole extra level. For most of us, our first birth is incredibly difficult. It, it, it was for me as well because the body, you know, has not, I mean, some women birth like a breeze and and you know I, mm. I take my hat off to those women they're just amazing they just birth like troopers and they have wonderful births but for a lot of us including myself and it sounds like you as well um it's not the case and there's a whole lot of reasons why that is because it's not it's not the case in <laughs> I don't mean to be basic here but it's not the case in the animal world in such a strong way we as women have got so disconnected from birth and um, it does make it very hard for us when suddenly we're hit with it and it's a shock on many levels, we're not prepared, and then we have to deal with, um, you know, how do we actually get this baby out? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd never, I don't think even prior to the hypnobirthing course I did, I'd never even seen a video of birth. Like mm. I'd never seen the close-up camera on the woman's um, vagina or while um, the baby is coming out. And that shocked me. To be honest, when I first saw it, I was like, that is going to happen to me? What the – like I remember watching it with my – I think um, my partner had seen something before in like a, a course that he'd done at uh, university. There was something that he'd done. He's, he said, I've seen something like this before, whereas I had not. And it was – yeah, it was – I'm going to say I was like that – disturbed shocked fearful holy hell like I can do all the breathing techniques in the world but that's actually happening downstairs like Mm. it it was a shock you know and I'm imagining for people that don't do a hypnobirthing course or they don't do any education around birth prior to giving birth then it would be even more of a shock yeah and it sort of leads us down to the real issue that you know birth doesn't happen in our head and we live in a in a culture where we're mind driven. Birth happens from the vagina, from the yoni, from this sacred gateway. And it's a little mm. bit like sex um, ed that we're all supposed to have great sex lives, but none of us really get taught on the more finer details of what actually happens. Um, in the female body Mm. with arousal and in many ways birth is the same we are slow to warm up some of us just crank right on but generally with most first labors it's an eight to 13 hours for others it can be longer and how we meet that birthing energy in our pelvis and actually in the vagina for this big moment of opening is so unique to each woman and it, it has its roots in our connection with our sexuality and our um, not just sexuality but with the um, 
a core of feminine principle, which is that we expand and open, we open the space and close the space, but we only do that when the conditions are right. Okay, so mm. if you can imagine... Um, that is no, like sex. <laughs> it is exactly like sex. So we haven't we haven't made they haven't made the leap yet <clears throat> because most of us wouldn't feel like a really long, you know, nourishing lovemaking session in Kmart under bright lights with with strangers. <laughs> okay, or if somebody just came in the room. So when we look at birth, you know, we're asked to kind of expand and open our most delicate, sensitive place with often with strangers, often with bright lights, often with changes of shifts of people coming and going with food or cleaners or, or doctors or who knows if, if we're birthing mm. in a hospital. And we don't really look at the impact on this because if you took your cat into a birth, into a maternity ward, she wouldn't give birth, I can tell you right now, but we expect ourselves to step into that place and to surrender and open like we've never surrendered and opened before and for most of us in that environment Mm. it's not going to happen or or it happens with a lot of force and a lot of intervention exactly and that's really where we need to look at the deeper what's really happening with we know as women that when we feel safe when we feel secure and and loved and you know, often the lighting and the, the whole emotional energy is right, we can open our whole sexuality in a way, you know, and for many women that's actually at night time as well when we feel like mm. all the kids are in bed, when everything's done, when the moon's out and we can come out like this moon flower that only comes out at this time. Women, is, women are run essentially by feminine principle, which means we don't just open on demand. We're not 24-7 erect and we don't labour like a textbook, most of us. So mm. it is a very unique, sensitive, sexual and emotional and spiritual process for each woman. However she um, however she does that is totally unique to her. I've never seen any two women both the same way. Women are so unique in how they navigate their body, how they navigate the waves of labour, how they navigate their partner in labour, how they navigate the each phase of labour, how they navigate the um, receiving of the baby. Each mother is so different. And until we respect this as care providers, we're not really assisting women because we're, we're kind of, you know, like there's nothing wrong with coaching a woman, um, you know, to do all sorts of things, but I, in my heart, I'm, I really believe that when the conditions are right, and, and I mean when the obstacles that we need to open are removed, the doors of life open and we don't need to push and we don't need to pull and we don't need to cut and we don't need to force. But that isn't for, um, you know, that's probably not for the whole population. It's probably only for a certain um, kind of woman. But I really believe mm. that birth wasn't meant to be um, something that left us with major pelvic floor damage. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a rise in this because of the way, you know, in New South Wales there's a policy to um, towards normal birth, but what we saw with the reduction of caesarean sections is that we had more forceps, and with more forceps we have more pelvic floor damage. And with more pelvic floor damage... Hello, that's me. Okay, so with more <laughs> pelvic floor damage we yeah. have more challenges with intimacy and we have, you know, we have a whole sex life, um, decades of a sex life ahead of us that is is profoundly impacted by that experience. And that's really delicate tissue. That's a really delicate topic, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. So for each woman, the healing is, is really unique. Um, you know, it's not what happens to us. And, you know, like it's really not what we go through. It's how we feel about what happened. Hmm. So you mean like 
how I mentioned before, like to someone else, people go, oh, my God, that sounds horrific and rah, rah. And I was like, well, I'm actually I'm good with it. Like I'm, I'm okay. Whereas, which, you know, that leads me to my next question, though. If someone did go through something similar to me or completely different uh, and they do feel, you know, they're still holding on to that, uh, that tr- traumatic feeling, I guess, and they feel like they've been hard done by and they feel like that it's something that they can't get over, mm. what, what should they do? Like, because that stays with you if you don't deal with it, well, right? It really does. And I guess the first thing is to be really gentle with yourself and to know that, um, you know, we still don't live in a time where we respect feminine principles on the earth, like where we're not respecting as women menstruation, birth, pregnancy, menopause in a way we're not treating these powerful rites of passage the way they need to be treated so for most of us there is um there's a feeling that something's just not right there and it can be a numb kind of shock that's sort of lodged in the body and I just want to if 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 anyone's listening right now that feels that way I just really invite you to soften into your experience and to know that you are not alone in that that for most of us we feel that something wasn't quite right somewhere and really the healing the first step first step of the healing process is a softening to and an allowing of all the feelings that are there so you can start a simple process by just getting an A4 piece of paper draw a line down the middle right on one side what happened so on the on the left column just a list of what happened you know boom 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 and on the right side how it made you feel so say for my birth I can say well what happened you know I had a big tear and how did it make me feel it made me feel like a failure what happened next was I had to be transferred to a hospital how did that make me feel it made me feel like more of a failure what happened next was I had suturing on my vagina. How did that make me feel? I honestly could not recognize my vagina after I had birth. I one day um, had full length mirrors in my bedroom and one day I thought I'm going to have a look at my sutures, you know, and I sort of got down on the floor. I could not recognize my vagina. It didn't look mm. like a vagina to me. I was like, I am ruined for life. My sex life is over. I made these decisions in that moment because a part of my body that's probably the softest tissue that exists was completely puffed and swollen and sewn up. It's like it was all sewn back up. And that was just, I think that was probably the most devastating part of it for me was just to see like this, no one told me about this. And that I think is is really at the core you know when it really comes down to it it's like we need to be healing on a on a sexual on a soft tissue level and on a on a sexual level and that is really really important for our health (laughs) we need Mm. we need good sex and we need it you know throughout our whole life so yeah. So, yeah, I rem- I can relate to that so much. I remember how I-, I waited six weeks to have a look, though. How quickly did you have a look in the within the mirror? Look, like it, how it must, how long? It ago? must have been pretty soon, actually, because when I think about it, it, it was it was so puffy, it was unrecognizable. Mm. So it would have probably been in the first few days. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. See, I was like, oh, I didn't look down there for a few weeks. <laughs> I-, I think it was close to six weeks. I went, all right, I better have a look now. And I, but I do remember the same thing. I remember thinking, even though it, you know, the the swelling had gone down, and the I was really impressed that the I thought because I had an episiotomy as well, I thought there'd be this gnarly scar there and couldn't barely see it. Um, but still, it looked different. I was like, that's not the vagina I had like six weeks ago. <laughs> like, what's going on? And I thought the same thing. I was like, oh my god, how like how am I supposed to have sex for the rest of my life? Like, how am I supposed to feel? sexy and womanly and powerful like from this place that I know is you know that the epicenter of feminism and creativity and I feel like it's been it's not the same anymore and I and I think there'd be so many women listening that might also be able to relate to that Mm. you know it it is the cause of a lot of relationship breakdowns to be honest Mm. because um you know there's a whole, um, there are degrees of tears, first, second, third, and fourth. 
Um, mm. I had a third degree tear, which I, that's why I had to leave my home birth and have it sutured in the hospital. Um, but if you have a fourth degree, you have to go into, into theatre for it and that's even deeper. So, mm. you know, I'm just really sending out a lot of love and compassion to anyone, any of your listeners, Nicole, to know that you're really not alone if you're suffering with prolapse or if you're suffering with incontinence, if you're suffering with sexual pain, um, that this is a very widespread issue that's not yet on the table of conversation. And so I really am grateful to you for bringing it out because the good news is mm. that it can heal, that this delicate tissue is Definitely. made to heal and that you will have sex again and you can in <laughs> your pelvic floor and it's not over. But I know for a lot of women it can feel that way and if it feels like that way in your head and that little thought gets lodged in there, that's really the first place we need to unpluck it from because the body heals really well but we have to integrate all the other parts as well, which is how we're thinking, mm. how we're feeling and what we're actually saying, you know, because women say things yeah. like I was ruined by childbirth and that's what mm. that's what manifests. So we have to be really careful what we're thinking, what we're saying, what we're feeling, and know that if we need if this is an issue, that it's not something to just forget about. It is something to talk about and it is something that you can do something about. Definitely. I've I've had my amazing uh, women's health physio on the podcast before and we've we've spoken about this and just the amount of feedback I got from people going, thank you, I've just booked in to go and see someone because, I, you know, five years on and I'm still, you know, weighing my pants when I cough or I still can't have sex and they, because we started the conversation, people were like, oh, I can go back to normal. And I when I went to my, I think it was my six-month check up um my amazing physio Allison's like you're pretty much you're back to normal like your strength is pretty much all there like I've gone from wearing a huge pessary to a tiny one and and you know I want to tell everyone out there it, it does get better just like you said it's tissue that can be repaired and uh but you do have to do something about it in the first place it can't be ignored you do have to do something about it and if you've had you know if you're someone who's listening who's had a traumatic birth and the last thing you want to think about is your pelvic floor and your vagina I can totally understand that I felt the mm. same way I was like I've just been through childbirth and now you want me to do pelvic floor exercises while I'm <laughs> trying to breastfeed and milk's coming in it's it's a really mm. really big time that first year is really big there's a tide of all the pregnancy hormones are going out and all the birth hormones and the tide of breastfeeding and mothering is coming in it is a massive year please be gentle with yourself and know that this mm. healing will happen yeah but you do have to and it's, you do have to do something. sorry yeah you do have to do something <laughs> mm, yeah exactly it's not it's not going to go away and I, I love I guess the essence of your work too because it's not just healing the birth there and you talk about healing the quote-unquote elephant in the womb <laughs> which goes you know beyond birth encompasses everything from like relationships and first sexual encounters uh how how do you explain like how, speak speak to us about that speak to us how birth is like how you do life because I remember that was yeah. a quote that's on your website yeah, yeah and it's not it's certainly like um you know, it's not to beat ourselves up if, if you had a traumatic birth. I had quite a traumatic birth. So birth has been my biggest teacher. I had a third degree tear. I had sutures. I felt like a failure. Um, you know, I just sort of, I was just so kind of crushed by birth that I've made it my life mission to educate myself, to educate other women, to work with men, to work with women, to to put love back into birth and to put the truth um, because unfortunately, um, you know, midwifery used to be and it needs to be an autonomous practice but what we have in this country is that midwifery operates within a medical, under a medical, under a dominating influence. So many of our midwives can't um, operate or offer their full scope of wisdom because they have to tick certain boxes to keep registrations, to keep jobs, to keep. Mm. And this is a huge issue for, for women, 
for midwives and it is why I have left my pra the practice, my midwifery um, professional practice, why I have left the practice, handed back my registration in 2015 to go on a healing path so that I can speak the truth to women um, because I know mm. if you're working for a hospital, um, it's incredibly difficult. Um, most midwives don't believe in a lot of things that they, they actually in their job description have to do and have to say to women. So when we've got mm. a, a loyalty equation, when we've got, um, you know, conflicts of interest as women, it, it that in itself sets up a whole other problem. Anyway, I don't know why I'm going into that. You can delete this out of the <laughs> but No, no, don't because it's the, but it's the same with amazing doctors that don't go, you know, that don't believe in the same BS that the, the people that gave them the registration is, you know, that they can't say the truth because then they lose their job. So I totally understand where you're getting from and I think it's a huge problem and, yes, it is another podcast episode for sure, but it, it's it's really sad to know that, yeah, the government and politics is getting in the way of truth. Yeah, we must, you know, to anyone who's listening, know that midwifery care is the gold standard. If you can have a home birth, it is the gold standard of maternity care. And that's coming from a midwife who has worked in many big Australian hospitals, many little Australian hospitals, little birth centres, hospitals in New Zealand. Home birth is gold. Pay a registered mm. home birth midwife and get the support because of the privacy and respect factor, okay? But you also have to do your prep work because of the cultural mm. and um, energetic uh, impact of the belief that birth is dangerous, which is proliferated by the media which is a whole load of bs it's recreated so we many of us grew up watching birth as a drama with a woman screaming and water flooding screaming and then and, you know in yeah. now that has been created just like we have you know we used to have arnie schwarzenegger blowing up things in movies and then we saw that actually happen in the world with 9 11 and we what we watch on the big screen and on televisions when we're little girls it goes in and then we believe it to mm. be true. It's mm -hmm. not the truth about birth. Birth mm. can be the most holy, the most sacred, the most awesome, the most juicy, the most sexual, the most incredible thing. And I only say that because as a midwife, I have seen it with my own eyes. I have seen women birth mm. in peace with a cat sleeping in a circle on the sofa just a few metres away. Like birth can be so deeply holy and magical and beautiful and it can also be a catastrophe of epic proportions and a drama of epic proportions. So wherever you sit on the scale, know that there's nothing wrong with you. You've been in culture just like me and every other woman who grew up in Australia or in the West. We have seen images that have gone in. And they're very, very powerful. So all of this plays out. So when it comes back to, you know, the elephant in the womb, what I'm trying to lead, I guess, leading, Willis is leading to is that our womb keeps the score. So um, we're not at a place on the planet yet where feminine power is in balance with masculine power. So feminine power is that power that, um, can take a sperm into her body and create a pregnancy in nine months and birth a baby. It is an inherent inborn power within every woman to menstruate every month, to conceive a baby, to birth a baby, to breastfeed a baby, and to do that, you know, many times over and then go into menopause. If that is not happening, there's a reason for it because you were... Um, designed as a feminine principle to be able to do this but what we have on the planet is not a respect to feminine principle so our periods can be shut down our births can be shut down mm. ovulation can be shut down ovulation can be shut down by the mind ovulation can be shut down by stress ovulation can be shut down by trauma Okay, so for anyone who's out there and this is another topic again investing a lot of money in IVF <laughs> There are other pathways. 
And many women have invested tens of thousands of dollars into IVF, into obstetrics, and it's great if you've had a positive outcome. But when you get your all of your centers aligned, you're going to have a healing of the natural feminine power within you that knows how to conceive, that knows how to grow a baby, that knows how to birth a baby. And what you need for that to happen is the kind of support that can respect your feminine principle and bring it into balance with your masculine. So there's nothing wrong with masculine. There's nothing wrong with obstetrics. There's nothing wrong with IVF, but we need it to be in balance with the natural Mm. story that is happening within us. We are moving the same way the moon is moving. We have a menstrual cycle of seven days, which is like a dark moon. We ovulate, which is like a full moon. And then we, we go dark again. We come down into the you know the, the bleeding time and the brown days. Now, this isn't an accident. This is the root of feminine power. And when we don't respect this process, which we don't currently on the planet, we do not on the planet currently respect that at any time a quarter of the world's female population is menstruating and needs special mm. rest and special psychic care, spiritual care and physical care. It's the same with pregnancy. A pregnant woman is in a completely different energetic awareness and spiritual and sexual awareness to a woman who's, say, um, you know, in menopause. It's, it's all totally different. We're sort of going down and mm. going down a bunny hole here, but um. no, but it's so true <laughs> because people like, but I, and I've spoken about this with with other guests on my podcast is like people don't respect their period. They hate it. It's like, oh, God, I've got my period or they, they're they on the pill and they skip their period. Like I know people that haven't had their periods for like five years just because they didn't feel like it. Like that is all kinds of crazy. Like yeah. it, that that's not going to serve you well in your future. That is not serving you well probably present as well. And, and changing that mindset of like, oh, God, fuck, I've got my period. It's like I've got my period. And I'm going to honour my body and I'm not going to, you know, do what I did yesterday because I'm in a completely different energetic space. And, I mean, again, we're uncovering lots of different topics here, but that that in itself, like just honouring your body and honouring yourself and changing your day to suit the fact that you've, you're on your period, like not saying seven days, lock yourself in a room, but, you know, things things are a bit slower. You go a bit more gentle. but. There's a lot of women that this would be really hard to hear because they've grown up thinking a period is an inconvenience. And that hasn't come from them. That has come from the culture we live in where that rite of passage was missed and it wasn't revered, it wasn't Mm. respected because when you cross over from being a little girl of 9 to 11 around that age and then you come into menstruation somewhere in that time into your teenage years, you go through your first gateway, which is you change from being a little girl into a young woman that can create life. And your experience of life at that time, whatever you're, however you're treated, whatever you're thinking, however the people around you treated you as you were growing your little breasts and, you know, had your first period, that went in. And for most of us, that was, you know, um, all kinds of all kinds of disrespectful things comments shame secrecy and many of us carry the fear of detectment you know where we went to school and we're like looking as if blood on the back of our skirt we're so afraid of being mm. caught bleeding but the reality is we're just not at a place on the planet yet where as a collective you as a girl you needed to be respected in many cultures when you became a woman you were then really revered in your tribe because you were now a life giver and you had the power of Mm. the sacred feminine flowing through you so strongly. Nine-year-old girls are the most psychic, intuitive creatures on the planet. And if you have a nine-year-old girl in your life or you can remember yourself when you were nine, you can go back and talk to that self because she is full of truth. Nine-year-old girls are the highest intuitive Uh, receptive beings pretty much on the planet but they get shut down by shame when they go through their first gateway and for many of us we Mm. go through the first gateway with no respect then we end up at birth and by the time we get to birth the game's over because 
none of those periods along the way, probably, um, you know, hundreds of them have not been honoured. So it's not to blame mm. yourself, but we as women have got to take these rites of passage back and I'm happy to link you up with people that do this work. Um, there are women that have devoted their lives to serving girls and mothers in rites of passage, which are very gentle. I did it myself with my daughter and all of her friends went through it. And I can tell you these girls were like, hey, I've got my period today in front of all the boys. I'm not swimming. I've got my period today in a really loud voice to all, you know, they had zero shame and they were mm. completely um, embraced the concept that this is their natural, this is the natural order and that that this is an important part of women's health, which it is, because we know if you're not menstruating properly, you're not living properly because the menstrual cycle mm. clears out when you bleed and and um, you're basically, when we bleed as women, we are purifying ourselves on all levels, spiritually, sexually, emotionally, everything mm. that's happened in that month that is not in alignment with truly who we are we feel it when we bleed. We feel it just before we bleed mm. and then we feel it on a major descent when we bleed. Now, this is very similar to the birthing process. Menstruation is a preparation for birth because every period you get, to, you get altered by an experience that takes you out of your logical mind and into the underworld pretty much. So it is a powerful rite of passage. If you're listening when you're bleeding, you have the right to completely transform yourself. Not the right, you have the reserves, you have the inbuilt um, kind of spiritual, sexual, emotional, mental washing machine that's going to clear you out. So when you come into your next cycle, you're a new woman. That's what it's designed for. It's not designed mm. for shoving down. It's not designed for no reason. It's not designed to be a pain in the butt. It's not designed to plug up and stuff up. It's designed so that you can flow with the laws of nature as a sacred feminine vessel on the planet and you can give your gifts to the world. You can speak and create and express yourself truly as a feminine woman as a woman in power not as a woman that is orienting and living through a mental concept of what it is to be a woman oh i have goosebumps seriously every woman needs to hear that oh <laughs> God, that was beautiful. And imagine, can you just imagine the possibilities when we have a world full of women that that's how they honour their body every month? Like the mind boggles at how lives would change. And it's so, it just brings me back to that whole, it's that it's, our minds are so powerful. What we think, what we feel on a daily basis. I'm, I'm uh, currently obsessed with Dr. Joe Dispenser's mm -hmm. work and this is all playing into, mm -hmm. you know, how we think, how we mm -hmm. feel and, and that creates our personality. And it's just so true because you, you mentioned back before and, look, I, I went through IVF and I'll tell you right now, it, the, the way that I prepared beforehand, the mental shift that I had to have before even considering spending a cent on IVF was what I believe is why we were successful first go because I, I mean I was in a bad space I was like I'm not doing IVF I'm not pumping that shit through my body I'm not doing this if I can't do it naturally I can't do it at all like I was it was awful a very dark place but it was when I switched and started working on myself and started you know working on those old wounds that I've pushed down and letting things come to the surface and surrendering all of that work all of that mental and spiritual work I believe had to be done before I even looked at the drugs and I think it's the same with 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 anything it's it's mind first it's spirit it's spirituality first totally and that's why you were successful and I mean I was sort of pointing to that I didn't want to say it but you're actually saying it you got yourself clear and clean and aligned and then you got your pregnancy yeah mm. I, yeah, and I know that can be really hard to hear for people, and I don't mean it disrespectfully, and I don't mean it's like, oh, go and meditate, and then you fall pregnant. No. That's that's not what either of us are saying. But there need there's there's work to be done, and as hard as it is, there's always a reason for something not working mm -hmm. right. Um, and sometimes it's not just a case of taking a supplement or, you know, being on medication. Like there's deeper work that has to be done, and you'll you'll know when you're ready to do it. No one can force you into that kind of work, but 
I honestly, it's my hope for women that are struggling is that they do look at the spiritual side. They do look at this emotional side. They do actually start to correlate how they feel on a daily basis and the thoughts that go through their brain on a daily basis with what is showing up in their life. Um, I know that can be really hard to hear and I'm saying this as delicately as I can, but I think it's really important. It's a really important message mm. to get out there. Well, we do have to come back to the womb and to the experience of a good healthy menstrual cycle if we want to have a good birth mm. you know the most potent healing tool we have as women comes through the menstrual cycle so for any of you that are still you know that are having your period or about to have your period just know that nature has given you this period not to curse you but to heal you and that during that time mm. especially in the day before when that um you know what's sort of collectively known as pmt comes that everything that you're kind of stressed about or tense about or upset about if you can allow that some healthy space if you can allow yourself to express it in a safe way journaling, singing, writing, some kind of creativity. It could be boxing. It could be smashing plates if you're Greek. Um, you know, <laughs> whatever you need to do, make it safe and let it out because your energy is so important. As a woman, you have an energy that's so much bigger than you probably realise. And this is why we often shut down our, our menstrual cycle is because we don't want to deal with the intensity of our natures as women. We are powerful. We are so powerful. We're powerful emotionally and sexually we're really powerful. And a lot of what's happening um, in our lives, in our bodies, is actually not okay with us. The way, the way that we're being treated, the way that we're experiencing sex, the way we're experiencing our period – or relationships can be really out of alignment with what we really feel. But know that you can alter this. Just like Nicole's saying what she did, she went into IVF with a really clear mind. And I'm saying to you, anyone who's listening, when you go into your period, you can clear all of this. You won't feel clear <laughs> when you've got PMD and you won't feel clear maybe on the first day. <laughs> but it's a seven-day psychic window. By the seventh day... You are a new woman. So if you can allow yourself on day one to drop out of the world, to switch off the phone, to even if you're even if you're at work, you can still go into your inner teepee and bleed well, eat well, think well, journal well, and go to bed early and nourish yourself and rest and let go of everyone else's needs, everyone else's needs, and focus on yourself, you're going to come out a new woman after seven days. Now, I know you can't just sort of hand over the kids and stop going to work and all of that, but you can find ways, even within a job, even within six kids, even within a really difficult living situation to carve out some time and space for yourself to close the door, to get in the bathtub, to walk on grass, to lie on the earth, to get into nature or do what it is to remove yourself from the general ho-hum of life and take rest because if you can do that, you're going to be among the healthiest of the women on the planet. Mm. Amen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We could just talk forever and I'm very conscious of the time because yes. I know you have to go. So just in wrapping up, where can my listeners find you? Where can we find out more about yes. you? Uh, you can find me on Birth Your Truth on the web. That's birthyourtruth.com. And I offer um, programs for women who are dealing with unexpected outcomes of pregnancy, birth, miscarriage and abortion. And also, even if you're a woman who's a lot older, maybe you had kids years ago and you think, oh, that was so long ago. I work with women in their 70s, in their 80s. I work with women all ages because this stuff never goes away. And I really know from listening to your birth stories that the womb is the gateway that we need to go through now. And when you clear what's in there, whatever happened to you, 
um, it it carries for you like much like a treasure chest at the bottom of the ocean there are gems in there so without judgment I promise you like a deep sea diver if you're courageous enough to dive down with me and have a look into that birth story have a look into that miscarriage story or that abortion story you're going to come up back up to the surface with gems in your hands and you're going to wear them the necklace around your neck and you're going to walk forward in your life a new woman and that is you know, my greatest gift and greatest pleasure to to actually hear these stories because I see women's lives change and that just brings me the joy that I was born with, you know, born to share. So thank you, Nicole, so much. Oh, thank you. How lucky are we that you do what you do? <laughs> so I will link to all of those in the show notes so everyone can find you very easily. But thank you once again. This chat has blown my mind and I cannot wait to get it out to to everyone it's been fantastic thank you so much thank you Nicole I loved it and um, you know it's all connected I'm thinking god I really went on a tangent with the menstrual cycle and everything no I'm <laughs> I love it I love a tangent I love a tangent so it was awesome I thank love you. you thank you so much Nicole oh my gosh what a, an empowering conversation to to hear particularly if you're a woman, which most of you listening to this podcast are. So I really hope you enjoyed that and I really hope you took some nuggets of wisdom from what Angela was saying. I think, gosh, even before you even think about having children, parts of that conversation will be something so important to listen to, particularly about um, not being inconvenienced by and honouring our monthly cycles. I just think that whole mind shift about that would, would change so much for so so many women so i hope you enjoyed that as always i would love to hear any feedback over on instagram at nicole joy inspire and of course a five star review on itunes helps me to get this podcast into the ears of as many mamas as i can and i would be forever grateful if you could do that as well for all today's show notes please head to the website nicolejoyinspire.com forward slash podcast and i will see you guys next week